We're going to go to uh, Children's Church, and uh, as they do, and as we say thank you to our praise team, and we settle our hearts, let's just sit in that for a minute. Um, whenever I think about this idea about the goodness of God, and I think about us finding the goodness of God, and especially finding it in hard places, uh, I think about like a uh, theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, who was conscripted into service into the German army. Uh, and later, as a prisoner of war, learned of the atrocities of his nation. And there, in a, as a prisoner of war, in a prison camp, having... Uh, dealing with suffering himself and then having learned of the suffering that his nation had caused to, to uh, six million Jews, he began to ask these questions about God, about God's truth or God's trustworthiness, God's faithfulness, God's goodness. And it was in that space and that season and that time that uh, he would say that... Uh, uh, he didn't find God, but that God found him. And I think about like uh, the psalm, like we read Psalm 89, and how many of the psalms are written by David, and we think about David's life, and you know, it's easy to think about the, the young boy who killed the giant, who was brought to the king's table, who later would become king, but we have to remember those years where he was fleeing. And he was hiding in caves. And it's in that time where we find a lot of these psalms. The imagery even from them. You are my refuge. You are my high tower. And so, I am committed to this consideration this morning. That the goodness of God is not always found in the goodest of times. And so, let's uh, go to the Lord. Let's just seek Him right now. I'm going to give you some space to be alone with the Lord for a few minutes, and then um, we'll get moving along.
you're still praying, don't let me interrupt you. Lord, I think about a statement my father always used to say, good or ain't good English, but it sure am so. That little silly thought, statement, comes to my mind whenever I think about you being good, God. And you're gooder than all the rest. Lord, I... Um, I know it's your goodness that leads to repentance. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter number two. It's your mercy. It's your grace towards us. It's your love that is not only revealed, but your love that is known, that is trusted in, that rescues us in the midst of all the hardness, uh, all the scarcity, all the fear, all the anxiety all the brokenness and waywardness. Not only that we see and experience in this world, but we see within our own lives, Lord. And so God, thank you for being good to us. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you would be with us today as we uh, uh, look to your word. Uh, Lord, help us, uh, help us to wrestle with the things that you've called us to do as your disciples. Help us to be honest about the things that we do wrestle with as your disciples. And Lord, I pray and I ask that you would just please uh, use this time uh, to further uh, train us up, grow us up, to further teach us so that we can look like your son Jesus as we go throughout our week, Lord, so that we can bear the fruit of your spirit not only um, the convenient times, but uh, most assuredly in the inconvenient times, I pray. I ask these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Uh, over the last uh, few weeks, I've been uh, sharing some stories. Sometimes I'll share pictures with y'all, but uh, stories about uh, my time in Ukraine and um, uh, very glad that I was able to have that opportunity to go uh, to Ukraine last month um, and, um, and and thankful for the, the the way that the Lord has not only given me those experiences but that I've been able to come and share those experiences with our church family and and just some of the lessons that I've been able to glean from it uh, myself but uh, this week I'll, 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 this will be the last time that I, I tell these stories in this format. Uh, today, um, but uh, I'm sure that uh, from time to time you'll hear about Ukraine uh, again um, because uh, it was an impactful uh, trip. But um, I, I wrestled whether I wanted to uh, use some images um, to stir our hearts and our minds a little bit this morning or not, and I've, I've chosen not. If y'all find that that's a bad choice, y'all let me know in the comment section, you know, <laughs> send me an email or text and say you should have used some images, but, uh, but I've shown y'all some images. I've shown you images of bombed out houses. Uh, you've seen images, e even yourselves, of, of, uh, of civilian automobiles that have uh, uh, bullet holes through the uh, windshield. Uh, you heard possibly of some of the horrors and the atrocities that happened in Bucha while Russia was occupying Bucha for nearly two months. 
maybe you heard about the horrors and atrocities that happened just this last week where, uh, where many prisoners of war uh, died because of a, a missile that struck the, um, the, the prison camp that they were staying in. And this came after a video was released of some brutal torture that, that the Russians were doing to these Ukrainian prisoners of war. been there and experienced what it looks like not for an enemy that I understand but an enemy in the deepest sense of the word enemy to see the fallout of what that enemy has done See, enemy that I understand is somebody who doesn't like me so well. You know, everybody, most people generally like me. And if you don't, um, I, I believe that. So that's just how I live my life. I just live my life that most people generally like me. And, and, and those who don't, they have the problem, right? They, they're the ones with the issue. Anybody else feel that way? Um, right. <laughs> and so, um, so I'm, 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 I, 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 I'm always a little shocked whenever people don't just take to me, uh, very easily. Uh, it's always a little like, what's going on here? This is strange. Um, but an enemy to me, I guess what I would say is I don't know that I've ever really had an enemy. I mean, I had some bullies in school. I think everybody probably experienced that on some level. Um, I, I do know there's people that I just, for whatever reason, I, I didn't really much like them. But they never came and attacked me. They never tried to undermine my business. Never tried to steal my girl. I, I, I don't know how, how that is for you. Have you had an enemy? Some of you might have. Some of you might have had, you know, we have people who have businesses. Maybe somebody was trying to undermine your business endeavors. I, I know my dad. My dad's planted a church. Get this. My dad planted a church, Beacon Hill Baptist Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And, uh, and they had finally, after years, they had purchased a building and they had renovated uh, uh, the, the inside of the space. It was an old Quonset hut. Y'all know what a Quonset hut is? It was like um, those, those, those round buildings. Um, they, they used to use them for like army barracks and, and things of that nature. But, uh, but it was an old Quonset hut and they had built the sanctuary in it and had classrooms. And, uh, and my dad being my dad, they pulled no permits. And so, <laughs> so then whenever the city inspector came by, they had to shut down operations and they had to get all these architectural drawings and they had to get things up to code. So, so they had just moved into this building and then, and then, and, and then that kind of, the bottom fell out of that. Well, they had to go and rent a space again. 
And during that time, another pastor came in, another Baptist pastor came in, and he started a church called Lighthouse Baptist Church. So there's Beacon Hill Baptist Church, and now there's Lighthouse Baptist Church. And the logo and the materials that he distributed were exactly like Beacon Hill Baptist Churches. Same wording. He had just taken it and taken Beacon Hill and swapped the beacon for Lighthouse. And a large part of that congregation that had been built up was gone. I would think that that would be treacherous, don't you? If I was my dad, that would feel like an enemy. So I don't know, have you ever experienced this? And here's the reason why I ask this question is because we know that like Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount, whenever he's talking to his disciples, he says to them, he says uh, for us to bless our enemies. To bless those who uh, persecute us. To pray for them. He tells us, he says, hey, don't, don't go by that old eye for an eye understanding. And if you do understand this, eye for an eye was not God saying, hey, this is, this is what I want everybody to do. I want, if somebody, if somebody hurts you, I want you to go hurt them back. That wasn't God's, like, eye for an eye, when Jesus reveals this, eye for an eye was a way to, was a way to enact justice in, 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 in the, in the clearest means that you could. It was saying, hey, if you have to, if you have to exact justice, you can't go beyond equal measure. Somebody can't, 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 can't rip out your eye and then you go take their life. That's not an equal measure. And so an eye for an eye, and Jesus says, hey, eye for an eye, is, that, that, that's as far as you can go. That's the boundary. But let's take some steps back and let's see what happens before we get to that boundary. Where it's another possibility. You could actually forgive somebody. So we, we, we know this, we read this, we study it. I'm sure we, we've taught on it and we've said, yeah, it's hard. And, and, and we can understand that. But, but, but here's what I, I want us to think about. is like, I, I don't know what a real enemy is in my life. I mean, maybe... 2001, I felt like radical Islamic terrorists were my enemies. Maybe you don't, maybe you know what an enemy is, maybe you don't. But I can tell you right now, I have an enemy because I am for Ukraine. And there's another nation. been upwards of 500,000 children who have been kidnapped, deported to Russia. And so whenever I think about this 
war and I think about my experience, one of the things that I find is that it has really tested my mettle when it comes to trusting Jesus' words. You've heard it said an eye for an eye, but let me challenge you with something else. Let me challenge you with forgiving. Let me challenge you with blessing and praying for your enemies. And I think all I'm here to do today is to report that I have found that this is a challenge for me. Uh, Not only does Jesus say it in Matthew's gospel, but Paul, picking up in Romans chapter number 12, he says it. And Romans has been kind of like a a book that's anchored me as I've processed through all the things that I saw and experienced and wanted to say to our church as I've come back. But Romans chapter 12, and you can pick up in verse number nine. I'm going to read from the NLT this morning just because um, I, I like the, the, the flow of it from this passage, but um, uh, y'all can follow along with me. Uh, Paul says, uh, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Verse 17 Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. That's quoting out of Deuteronomy 32, 35. Instead of taking revenge, instead of paying back evil with more evil, do something else, Paul says in verse number 20. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Verse 21 says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. 
there is question, there's debate about what does this burning coals being heaped upon somebody's head mean, and and um, and really, uh, there's not uh, there, there's there's not an answer that everybody comes to agreement with. Um, I, I think what we should do is take it at the very the very closest face value, which is this: is when you when somebody is doing something harmful, uh, uh, contrary uh, against you. And instead of you doing something harmful and contrary against them, instead of doing that, you are kind to them. That has a way of bringing, making them feel ashamed. And, and, and if you don't know it, think about it the other way. You've been nasty to somebody before. You've been talking about somebody and then they walked into the room, right? And then you were like, oh no, I hope they didn't hear what I just said. And then you played nice and you felt that sense of shame, that sense of guilt. And there's a way in which you can understand this, this burning coals on their head when you get ashamed what happens to your cheeks they flush a little bit sometimes whenever you get like scared that somebody like when somebody walks in the room like your heart stops a little bit and you can feel the blood rising and it gets a little warm on your head and that might just be an image for what happens in those moments That's the closest that I can make sense of that statement. But here's everything that Paul says. He says, listen, just like Jesus, bless those who persecute you. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Verse number 19, whenever he says dear friends right there, whenever he addresses them, it's like he knows what he's saying. He knows. I'm not just throwing out some quips. These aren't just platitudes. This is real life stuff that we're dealing with. I'm telling you to bless those who persecute you. I'm saying... Um, I'm encouraging you to never pay back evil with evil. And I'm, look at me, look at me in the eyes. He's saying, dear friends, look at me. I'm telling you, do not take revenge. See, these things flow off the tongue, but Paul understands what he's talking about and who he's talking to. Paul understands this because Paul has been in this place himself. Paul has been on both ends of the equation. He's been the one who was the persecutor and he's been the persecuted. Paul understands that the, that the people that he's talking to in Rome the Christians in Rome that he is writing this letter to are in hostile territory. 
In Romans chapter 8, he's already addressed this. He's already addressed, hey, what happens? Oh, you know, we, he, he's talking about how we've been made right with God, how we've been uh, set free to live and walk in the spirit. And, and, and in Romans chapter 8, it's like he almost has to address this question that comes up. Well, well, I'm right with God and I'm walking in the spirit and I'm doing everything right. But what happens whenever that's not received well? And in chapter 8, he talks about how he, we, we, we might have to suffer for a while. So you get this idea that, that the people that he's writing to have, have had to endure some suffering. Well, what we know about some of the people is in chapter number 16, he talks about uh, two of his friends. Um, I was going to say Ananias and Sapphira, but that's not their names. Uh, and if you know that story, you'll know why I'm wrong about that. Um, Achilla and Priscilla. Yes, thank you. Uh, Achilla and Priscilla. And what we know about Achilla and Priscilla is that they were Jewish uh, Jews who trusted in Jesus. And they had been, um, they had been exiled from Rome uh, because all Jews had been exiled from Rome under uh, uh, Nero. And so they had been exiled from Rome. They were displaced out of their home, if you will. Paul met them whenever they were in this displaced uh, condition. And now it seems that they're going back to Rome. And he's encouraging the churches to welcome them as they come back to Rome. But these are people who know what suffering is like. They know what having an enemy is like. And so when Paul is saying these things, he's not saying them lightly. He's saying them with great weight. And this is what I want us to understand. I think that a lot of times we, we, we look at passages like this and sometimes we go like, okay, well, okay, God, well, you know, that was good for Jesus on the cross whenever he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I'm glad he did that for me. And I'm going to leave Jesus doing that. But whenever it comes to me, if I have an enemy... I don't know that I can do it. I actually was talking to some of my pastor friends over there and saying, hey, how do you teach this in the midst of this? And I can promise you, none of them were fully settled because it's an issue that can't easily be reconciled. Paul's not only following Jesus, he's following other portions of Scripture. We read that one uh, verse out of Proverbs, but there's a lot of verses in Proverbs that talk about not, you know, uh, you know, being patient and being um, thoughtful and forgiving uh, those who otherwise would do you harm. But I think that this whole text is very interesting because the whole text starts with Paul talking about loving people without hypocrisy, loving people in genuine, real ways, loving people without partiality, not choosing who you're going to love and who you're not going to love. And that's what we always talk about as, as disciples of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just tell us to love people. He goes way, way beyond that. He says, love people who are not lovely and love people who don't love you back. And all of us, if we go to bed at night, we can check off the list. Did I love people who were kind and treated me well? Good. Yes, I did great at that. Well, how did you do to the people who, who weren't kind to you? How did you, how did you uh, conservative 
Christian love the LGBTQ liberal. How did you talk about them on social media? Paul talks about loving people genuinely without partiality. And what I think is so interesting about this is he goes from talking about loving people then to talking about not taking vengeance. And why I think that that is very important is because we know the two great commands, don't we? What are the two great commands? Love God with all of your heart, with all of your being, with all of your strength, your might, your will, your power, with all of your mind, with all your focus. Love God. And what's the other one Jesus tells us? Love your neighbor as yourself. And we know Jesus didn't just pull this out of the air. Jesus wasn't like, you know what sounds good? But we know that Jesus was relying on a passage of scripture. And that passage came out of Leviticus chapter number 19. In Leviticus chapter number 19, uh, there, there's, there's some of these kind of just it's kind of like what Paul's doing here. There's just some of these, these statements that are being said and, and, and things that you, 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 you can read easily, but you have to like really uh, think about. But, uh, but let's just maybe start in like uh, verse number 15. It says, you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. You should not respect the person of the poor, nor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness or justice shalt thou judge, you know, uh, thy neighbor. Verse number 16, it says, you shall not go up and down as a tellbearer among thy people. Tellbearer, that's a, you know, gossip or slander. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Verse number 17 says, thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and suffer and not suffer sin upon him. And then verse number 18, it says, Thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Why I think this really tests our mettle as believers is because this idea of not taking vengeance is not some like, you know, some well wish that Jesus has upon his disciples. This is not just, man, I really hope they, they entrust, entrust all the injustices that have happened to them. I really hope they trust that to God. But if they don't, you know. But what I think is really interesting, why this really should be something that we consider, is because this idea of not taking vengeance, this idea of not holding a grudge, is directly tied 
to, in Scripture, it's directly tied to what it means to actually love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we all know we can't get away with this thing that says, well, Russians aren't our neighbors because they're Russians, right? We're beyond that, right? Because Russians were made in the image of God, just like you and I were made in the image of God. And America, for all that it is a good, well-meaning nation, it is not the kingdom of heaven. It is not our hope. It is not our home. It's not the hope of this world. And so I can't set myself up as I'm an American, and so there, thereby I can legitimately hate the Russian. No, because my citizenship first belongs to the kingdom of heaven. And they're my neighbor. So to love them as myself means that I have to wish for them what I would wish for myself. And what happens whenever you mess up? What happens, husbands, whenever you offend your wife? Or wives, whenever you offend your husbands? I don't know if wives ever feel it, actually. I'm just going to tell you, y'all should feel this thing. That says, I'm sorry, honey. Uh, y'all probably don't, but uh, y'all, y'all, y'all need to tell. I'm just joking 100%. Uh, just joking 100%. We all know what it's like to feel this. Wanting somebody to say, I forgive you. Wanting somebody to say, hey, however you hurt me, whether you hurt me intentionally or whether you hurt me thoughtlessly. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to forgive you. What I can say is this. I can't come before God. Uh, I will say, going to Ukraine, and, and throughout the course of this war, actually, it wasn't even just going to Ukraine, but it's been something that I've been weighing in my mind and my heart, but especially with coming back from Ukraine, what I can honestly go before God with is this. Uh, I know this is what you want of me. I know it's what you want of me. And I really want to do it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm finding it very hard. Every report that I read, My heart doesn't go, oh man, they need mercy. And so that's where I'm at right now. I'm at this place of knowing that this 
this that Paul tells the believers there, that Jesus tells us, that even the Old Testament law speaks. This that we disciples of Jesus are supposed to do, this blessing those who persecute us, those, uh, uh, this never uh, paying evil for evil, uh, not taking vengeance, These are things that I am convinced of right now that I can only do through the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Through the strength, the power, the might of the Spirit. Now, I think about this in big ways, with a big war that's going on right now, but always I have to bring things back to reality. It's no more different a need of the Spirit for Russia as it is with my wife. Truth be told, when she offends me, I'm not a good guy. Who just says, gee, shucks, I bet I, I think the best out of her. When she offends me, I think, well, them's fighting words. Let's get our vengeance. And so, I know that it's not just big wars in which we need God's spirit to move so that we can look at somebody and say, I forgive you. So that we can look at somebody and say, I want what's best for you. So we can look at somebody and say, I want to give you what I want to receive myself. It's each and every day that you and I are offended. That our metal gets tested. And what I hope that we can see is that uh, Scripture speaks about it often and it speaks about it uh, soberly. Paul saying, dear friends, I imagine him like, thinking about uh, as if he's writing that, like grab somebody by the hands and like look at me in the eyes. <laughs> this really means something. Scripture talks about it often and it talks about it with uh, 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 sobriety because of the weight of it, because of the challenge of it. And what we should understand as believers is that it's central. This forgiving others, this loving the unlovely, loving those who don't love us, it is not part of our call as disciples. It's central to our call as disciples. It's not part of our witness. It is central to our witness. 
and we truly are testifying when we do this that there is another way. Because the way of this world is to say, you offended me, I'm coming to get you. You bombed me, I'm bombing you back. You didn't vote for my legislation. I'm not voting for yours. The way of this world is to play the tit for tat, eye for eye, evil for evil, vengeance for vengeance game. And you and I are here to testify of another, another culture, another kingdom, another way. And so, it does test our mettle, but it is central to our call, and it is central to our witness. And so, my brothers and my sisters, I pray that we all will be given the great strength of the Spirit so that we can do what God has called us to do and so that we can testify in this really, really hard but big and beautiful way by being those who bless those who don't deserve the blessing. Whether those are big enemies like Russia or whether it happens in your daily life this next week, I pray that we will walk in the Spirit and we will, uh, uh, we will not just not repay evil for evil, but we will repay evil with doing good. And you and I can do that, not in and of ourselves, but by the Spirit of God. And with that I say, amen. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I just... Um, I don't have it within, within me, Lord. It's not of my uh, thinking. It's not of my doing. But Lord, uh, by your spirit, I have it within me. It's of your thought. It's of your understanding. And so, God, I pray and I ask that you would be with me. And your spirit would be alive in me this week that I would uh, live as you call me to live as a disciple of Jesus and that I would bear witness to you, to your son, to your spirit, to your kingdom that is and that is to come uh, by following this thing that is so central to our our and our confession that we would that I would forgive others, that I would love others without taking vengeance, Lord. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you'd be with each and every one of us. Uh, help us all that we could uh, know that we have it within us uh, by your Spirit's power. That we'd all live and bear witness. Uh, yeah, think about John. John the Baptist said he was not that light, but he came to bear witness of that light. We are not that light, but we come to bear witness, Lord. Might we live as you've called us to live. Uh, Lord, I love you. I thank you. 
Uh, thank you for our time together today. I pray that you'd be with us as we go. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen.